podcast ain't played nobody, your college football marriage of numbers and words. I am Bill Connolly, and I am by myself today. I We are still going to be for at least another week without Stephen Godfrey, who is still on double secret, uh, whatever we're calling it, uh, mission, mission. It sounds better than assignment. Uh, but regardless, we are, uh, he, he is out for at least one more week. I will have a replacement host midweek again, uh, probably on Tuesday this week, so that everybody who's driving somewhere for Thanksgiving has their PAPN uh, downloaded and ready to go for the drive. Uh, we will have a guest host for that one, but I have... Uh, figured I had enough to talk about on my own here to just go solo real quick. So uh, the reason I didn't feel I needed a host for the most part, uh, or co-host, I should say, is that I wanted to share with you that I am tired. This is the point of the season where, you know, the the all-day Saturdays and the, the number crunching on Sundays and the getting yelled at on Twitter on Sundays and the work during the week, the uh, the, 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 the pile-up gets pretty big, uh, and, and you just start suffering fatigue. You start disengaging here and there. And, um, you know, we've t- we took a day trip, the wife and I did uh, earlier this week, uh, to try to, to, to refresh a little bit. And now I think we're ready to go for the home stretch here. But I'm not saying any of this... Uh, to to get anybody to feel sorry for me or, or or throw any pity my way, my God, please don't do that. Um, I, this is I I am uh, I hit the lottery with this job and I'm not actually complaining. It's just you know fatigue sets in after a while. I told you that as because that's the only way I can really explain for sure with with any sort of clarity why I just don't care about SoCon Saturday. Yesterday was the annual, uh, the, the day, the, the benchmark, the mile marker, uh, we have mile markers throughout the season. And one of them is everybody, uh, fans of, of schools outside, you know, the South say the, the upper Midwest area conferences based in the Midwestern region, say from Nebraska and, and eastward through Ohio and maybe Pennsylvania and a little further east and south. Uh, conferences in that area, fans of those t- uh, of teams in that conference at least, uh, tend to get a little, a little chesty. I start uh, you know, questioning the manhood of, of schools from other areas that happen to schedule pretty weak opponents before rivalry week. And uh, we hear this a lot. The arguments are the same. There, There is full moral and righteous indignation for Alabama playing Mercer or whoever it happens to be that year, for Auburn playing ULM, uh, who is an FCS, but is lower level FBS, obviously. Florida, we thought they might have their hands full with the zombie UAB Blazers, but they scheduled that game at that time for a reason with Florida State next week. Florida State uh, scheduled Delaware State. North Carolina had Western Carolina. Uh, et cetera. Clemson had t- uh, the Citadel. South Carolina had Wofford, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It is a, uh, a tradition like no other. And all the arguments against it are pretty much true. Joe Klatt on Fox after the Wisconsin-Michigan game yesterday did a really nice job, I thought, of, of, of laying out the arguments why it's 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 kind of not if not a unfair pr- uh, practice, just it's kind of like rigging the system a little bit. He, he talked about how when your big games are more spread out, it's a lot easier to win them all. And if you have a chance to rest your players before your big game and whatnot, then it it, it offers you an advantage uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise had. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick, for instance, at Alabama. Uh, and he's right. And that's all true. And there are, are risks involved beyond that, really. I mean, you think about... 
You think about a Florida Georgia Southern situation from a few years ago. You think about Florida UAB yesterday, what we thought it could be. Uh, South Carolina Wofford for a little bit. South Carolina lost uh, one of these games a couple years ago. Uh, there is a risk inherent in that, in that, you know, if, if you're Alabama and you're challenging for the national title, great. Nobody's going to care. But if you are in the middle of a bad season, and now your FCS opponent comes up and you're playing in front of a half full house. Whereas if you had had this game in week one or two as your home opener, uh, then you would have had a mostly full house because the way football's back. There is a, a risk involved in, in terms of ticket sales and, and just general flow of the season. I, I'm really glad that my team, Missouri, doesn't do this, uh, you know, to for, you know, in preparation for Ozarka Palooza uh, against Arkansas next week. Um, I, I like that, that the season has a little bit of a flow. That was one thing I, I sort of miss from Missouri being in the Big 12. I don't miss much, but I do miss the the general approach of having your non-conference season in September and having the real, quote-unquote, real season start in October. Uh, the 07 Missouri season, for instance, was great in that regard, in that you know Missouri – Barely got by Illinois, kind of messed around, uh, pawed around with Illinois State, never really put them away, and just had a really kind of a generally okay. They were good in non-conference play. They were undefeated in non-conference play, but they still weren't all that great. Uh, but then they had a week off. They started conference play with, I think, with, yeah, with Nebraska on, on uh, a Saturday night in early October. And from that point forward, they, uh, you know, they were one of the best teams in the country. They were able to use non-conference play to figure out what they were, figure out what they were and weren't good at, make adjustments accordingly, and put their best self forward in conference play. Uh, so I like that. I like having a flow. And when you when you have senior day in front of a half full house at 11 o'clock in the morning, central time or whatever, that's not very cool. I didn't really even like Missouri having Idaho and UConn midway through the season, although looking back at how Missouri's season has gone, um, that it, the, those games played a vital role in a massive season turnaround. So I think they were useful in that regard. I just didn't, uh, you know, there's a flow and I like the flow. And, and so I understand all the arguments for why these aren't good practices, but I'm tired and I just can't make myself care. Like I, I, I really like some people I really, really like were on full on the moral indignation train yesterday on Twitter and whatnot. And, and I just can't make that big a deal about it. It just doesn't matter all that much. Yes, they're gaming the system, but they're putting their own they're They're risking. They're taking on risk of their own and they're deciding it's worth it anyway. And they're doing it. And I just can't make myself care about it any more than that. There are other two parts of the argument, two other parts of that argument that I do care about. Um, one of them is, uh, you know, the again, fans of a certain conference from the Midwest uh, now getting very, very chesty about the fact, well, we don't play FCS opponents. Why do you still play FCS opponents? I have made my opinion on that made, uh, you know, many clear many times over uh, when you, when, you know, the, the circle of life, so to speak, being able to pass that money down, have, make sure that these programs have the money they need to, uh, to, to run their athletic departments as best as possible possible and then in some cases play a d2 opponent pass the money down even further in that regard i am for uh, the ecosystem this is a big food chain and if you disrupt the food chain in any way uh if, if fcs just isolates itself from the rest of the world doesn't pass any of that money down when you mess with the food chain you end up with inst- with extinction problems and i really don't want that i want as many healthy football programs as possible and honestly i'm not saying this was a direct uh, the, these things are directly tied or anything, but you think about how many 
interesting, fun brands there are at the FCS level right now. I think I, I was personally, and I know others seem to be, I was personally more interested in the FCS draw this year than ever before. Not only because of Kennesaw State, the fight in Jason Kirks and Austin P, who got totally screwed uh, because they played too many FBS opponents, which is uh, baffling logic. But I mean, there are so many programs that I've just started to realize I know a lot about. Not only JMU and North Dakota State, the heavyweights, but then on down the list through the Northern Iowa's, or uh, well, I should say Northern Iowa, knowing it right offhand that they're a really good team that faced a really tough schedule and lost a really uh, a bunch of really close games. Knowing that, knowing about Sam Houston State and, and a Jacksonville State and a Stephen F. Austin and a Wofford and and the big some of the Big Sky teams and all these things, I started to realize I. Know no, I realize part of this is my job, but I know more. I have more recall about more FCS programs on down through the SWAC and MEAC, which I, you, which listeners and readers know I very much uh, have an affinity for. I just know a lot about these schools, and I think that's not only because of my job, but because there are a lot of healthy quote unquote brands now. And I can't imagine that this the, the circle of life, the money circle of life, didn't have a role to play in that. So anyway, I feel very strongly about playing FCS games because of that, and I also feel very strongly, selfishly, I feel very strongly about the eight games versus nine game conference schedules. Again, certain conferences from the Midwest that play nine conference games, um, they they question, again, the virility and general manhood of anybody who doesn't, such as the ACC and the SEC, uh, who, who still play eight game, conference games. I really appreciate the teams that only play eight because I want connectivity for my numbers. The S&P Plus rankings, these these Sunday shows are about the S&P Plus countdown. I will get to that. I've already killed 10 minutes not getting to that. Um, but there, there is a connectivity issue that I, I you know, this again, I, I don't know if there's a direct correlation. I, I'm definitely going to look into this as soon as, as soon as I have a chance to, it's not going to be this week. Um, but I feel I, I told Bud, uh, Bud Elliott, our guest host on the Wednesday show last week, I told him that, um, it seemed like this year S and P was very much underestimating P five teams when playing G five teams and, and UAB Florida being a good example there, uh, S and P had UAB by five. Uh, they did not win by five. They did not even cover, uh, Florida state, Florida, excuse me, handled that really easily. Uh, and I think part of that, you, when you look at these rankings right now and you see the, the Florida Atlantic's, uh, spoiler, uh, eking into the teens at the moment, uh, look at some of these schools that, um, some of the mid majors, the G fives that are in the top 30 or 40, I think they're being overestimated. And I'm, this was not a, a problem two years ago, as I mentioned on Wednesday as well, the, the numbers, and those P5 versus G5 games were at, were extremely even two years ago. And now there's like a seven-point disparity there. And I think some of that was rectified this week with games like Florida UAB. But there's still going to be a little bit of that uh, moving forward. And it's probably going to affect bull picks to a certain degree. And I'm wondering if it has something to do with the connectivity issue. I want to compare 2017 to 2015 just to kind of see if there really is a difference there uh, with um, and, and, and because I think there will continue to be a difference there 
if everybody goes to nine game conference schedules and three game non-conference schedules, that's going to be a disaster for connectivity overall. And what it's going to do is we're going to put all of our stock into bowls, even more than we do now in terms of conference versus conference and conference superiority. We already completely overestimate uh, the importance of bowls and, and the, the general uh, how telling they are about certain teams or conferences. We already freak, we already go way overboard in that regard. We're only going to do it more. And, you know, I'm already tired. So I, I like to, our arguments to be as sound as possible. And for that to be the case, we need eight-game conference schedules for everybody. I realize I'm in the minority, and I realize that's not going to happen, but I just wanted to share it. Anyway, let's really quickly... Now that I've laid all that out, we're going to really quickly go through the, we're going to do the S&P top 30 this week so that I can mention that my Missouri Tigers are number 30 in the S&P plus rankings, the best six and five team in the country. Thank you very much. Uh, Missouri is up to 30th. They've risen. They were 96th, I believe, after losing to Georgia five weeks ago. They've won five games in a row. They have punished. They are up to 30th because basically they've taken on a lot of bad teams, Idaho, Yukon, Tennessee, Florida, and Vanderbilt. And they have treated them like a top 15 team really would. They've won every single one of those games by at least 28 points. Yesterday's 28-point win over Vanderbilt was the the smallest, uh, the least convincing win of the bunch. Uh, this is a, it's been a weird year, and, and as a Missouri fan, it's been extremely weird to see this turnaround. Uh, they have taken advantage of the 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 shift in quality of opponent, uh, but they have looked the part. They are not winning these games by seven points, and uh, power to them for that. They did get a little sloppy yesterday. It was either because of the weather or because they're kind of they peaked and maybe they're slightly slightly falling. They they t- took advantage of a couple return touchdowns to make sure that margin was big. But we'll see. Maybe Arkansas, who has been putting up a little bit of a fight recently, maybe Arkansas at home and Brett Bielema's finale, maybe he, you know, um, maybe they are, are still have an advantage there. But screw it. I don't care. Missouri's bowling, and that's great. Uh, the, the only other thing I request from the sports god, the other, two things. Number one, send Missouri to the Liberty Bowl, because that would be awesome, especially if they were to play, say, a Kansas State, which would make it doubly awesome. Um, and... Man, we need New Mexico State to win these last two games. They slipped up against Louisiana Lafayette yesterday, and that stunk. It was a very fun game for a while, at least. Um, but, yeah, they're 4-6 and six now. They need to win their last two to get bowl eligible. They absolutely can, but it's a lot trickier now. Uh, moving on, number 29, Ohio slipped a little bit after losing to Akron. Slipped nine spots, actually. You know, compliment Ohio and then have them uh, lay a big egg and probably lose, I guess, definitely lose the division in the process. So that's bad and dumb uh number 28 southern miss has has ga- kind of gained the system here they looked really really good they, so they uh yesterday so they but jumped back up to 28 who they beat charlotte i think uh number 27 is arkansas state dropping two spots number 26 fresno state dropping three spots but still being in very good shape uh clenching the mountain west west uh division with a win over wyoming just an awesome story there even if they're not technically top 25 anymore Number 25, Toledo, rose three spots uh, at nine and two. They are still, they slipped up to Ohio. They're still very good. Number 24, your biggest riser among the top 25, the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, still stink on defense, uh, but they maybe don't stink as much. They completely dominated Syracuse yesterday. Lamar Jackson did very nasty things to the Syracuse defense, as we knew that, that he would. Uh, everybody watch Lamar Jackson. If you have the chance, you've got a couple more opportunities, uh, and, and then he's probably gone, and he... <laughs> He better make it to New York. As Bud and I were saying midweek, he better make it to New York for Heisman, uh, even if he's not going to win. 
Number 23, Boise State. Uh, one, again, they are 9-2. and two. They have looked very good, somewhere between good and, and excellent since uh, st- uh, struggling through some injuries in September. Number 22, Memphis. Uh, took on a weather delay. Uh, came out of the weather delay and just laid the hammer down against SMU. Uh, one, I don't even remember what the score was. One by a ton. They are 22nd. They are 5th in offensive S&P Plus and 24th in special teams. And a, and a cool 96th in, on defense, but whatever. Uh, you don't need defense if you've got a top five offense in the AAC. Number 21, LSU, moved up one spot for surviving a monsoon in Tennessee. Number 20, Mississippi State, dropped two spots after trying really hard to lose to Arkansas. Again, Arkansas is probably going to put up a pretty good fight against uh, Mizzou next week uh, on Friday afternoon. Number 19, Washington State, uh, moved up two spots. So that means they won the bye week. They uh, had a bye right before Washington. Chickens, you know, wusses. Um, they, they take on Washington and the Apple Cup next week. And if they, I believe the situation is pretty clear. If they lose and Stanford wins, Stanford wins the Pac-12 North. Uh, and if they win, then if Washington State beats Washington in, in Seattle, and I don't think they will, uh, then they win the uh, Pac-12. 12 North and play USC. USC gets a chance at revenge uh, for what their only conference loss. By the way, USC now 18th in S&P. They, they slipped a spot for messing around and just never really putting UCLA, but winning in, putting them away, but winning anyway. And one of the prettier, uh, in terms of uniform colors, always one of the prettier games of the year uh, there in Los Angeles. Number 17, Michigan drops one spot after losing to Wisconsin. Not a whole lot of shame there. We know what Michigan is. Uh, Brandon Peters looked pretty good on a couple drives, and, and they really might have had a chance uh, late, but the, the worm had already kind of turned. They had already started to kind of lose their grip on the game a, a, a hair when when Wisconsin took the lead and, and then Peters got hurt. Number 16, as warned, number 16, Florida Atlantic. Number 8 on offense. They are they have just like 8 yards per play uh, over the last however many games. Uh, they, have, they are undefeated in Conference USA play. They were playing for a conference title. Lane Kiffin, this is probably his best coaching job, at least at, at the head coaching level uh he's been awesome this year and uh he's still he's so weird and we know all of his flaws but he has coached awesomely uh this fall number 15 usf stays at 15th they seem to have a little uh whereas ucf has its own ceiling with the cfp rankings uh south florida appears to have a ceiling of 15th with uh with s&p 14 dropping two spots is oklahoma state they only dropped two spots and kansas state actually dropped two which kansas state fans noticed uh after ksu beat oklahoma state in stillwater yesterday here's your reminder that s&p looks at the things that are most sustainable uh, from week to week and Kansas State winning with, you know, uh, some overthrow and some some turnovers and a return touchdown. That's not going to it's not going to impress S&P all that much. It was kind of a fluky loss and it still counts and good for freaking Kansas State for getting bowl eligible to keep that Liberty hope, uh, Bowl hope alive. But um Regardless, uh, OSU didn't fall all that much because of the way things played out there. Still third uh, offensively and now down to 77th defensively. Number 13, Notre Dame rises one spot for surviving Navy. Sure. Uh, number 12, TCU rises one spot for um, do- for do- dominating Texas Tech on the scoreboard, whatever it was, 27 to 3, but really kind of getting lucky with turnovers. Uh, I think they got outgained by Texas Tech. Uh, the the freshman quarterback in for, for Kenny Hill, who had a concussion, uh, the offense did nothing. 
uh, or didn't do much at least. And uh, but they sur- they figured out a way to survive, and they survived comfortably and good for them. They have a lot to play for still, and they did they they survived all of that with a freshman quarterback for a week in Lubbock. Uh, so good for them. Number eleven, Miami drops two spots for flirting with disaster against Virginia before putting the game away. Um, good team. Uh, like I wrote on SB Nation today in the SB S and P release thing that came out this afternoon. And as Bud said midweek, they seem to actually have, but Mark Richt actually has the timing right this time. They are a very good team, not a great team. Uh, they would, it would have been about like 16th or 17th at this point last year. But since there are so there, there are fewer good teams, um, they, they are 11th and they have all the world in front of them still to play for. And that's, uh, I couldn't be happier for Mark Richt uh, and friend of friend of PAPN Manny Diaz, whose defense got torched for a little while yesterday and then rallied nicely down the stretch. Uh, number 10, Oklahoma really just didn't did what was, you know, when, when Kansas d- comes out and their players don't shake Baker Mayfield's hands and everybody on Twitter's like, oh man, he's going to put up a hundred now. They didn't, they did kind of the bare minimum against Kansas and they stayed at 10th because of it. And that's, you know, that's fine. Number nine, Clemson, uh, moved up two spots for throttling the Citadel, which, you know, whatever, uh, they are now 35th on offense and fourth on defense, still have very bad special teams. And I'm not sure we've talked about that enough that, you know, you kind of tend to need good place kicking and, and they've been really weird in that regard this year, uh, since whatever that injury was earlier in the year, number eight, Penn state, um, a lot, they, they are eighth overall. They're 14th on offense. They're 14th on defense. Uh, they stayed at eighth with their, uh, two, two possession win over, uh, over Nebraska. They got kind of lucky. They're defense got torched a lot when the game was in quote-unquote garbage time and one of the other adjustments i'll be making to s&p this offseason is to expand the definition of garbage time to include more plays uh that would have punished penn state a little bit yesterday because their defense just kept giving up scores in the second half after the game was put away number seven auburn um they are now fifth on on defense 28th on offense they moved down one spot for you know just pawing at ULM for a while, never really putting them away. Oh, well, I guess they eventually put them away, but um, they still kind of, they, they didn't look amazing. They fell from seventh to eighth. So be it. That's or from sixth to seventh. That's fine. Washington uh, is sixth. They moved down two spots for very much flirting with disaster against a Utah team that, uh, w- I, let's see. I don't know if, if S and P officially has them as the best five and six team in the country. S and P does not. Purdue is the best five, uh, five and six team in the country. Purdue is thirty eighth, and Utah is forty sixth. Still, um, they floated with disaster at home against a, an always salty U- Utah team, and it almost backfired on them, but didn't. So they fall two spots. Um, th- they're a team that has has a similar profile profile to Ohio state in that their upside when everything clicks, they look like the best team in the country. And that's why S and P kind of, as I always say, S and P rewards dominance to a certain degree. So Washington, just because of the upside it has shown is still sixth. Uh, they just haven't, they've had some eggs too, and they've had some shaky performances and they're starting to slip a little bit. Georgia uh, is now fifth. They're up from seventh last week. So they are now ahead of Auburn as an Auburn fan pointed out. Uh, but they are, uh, that means if they were to play Auburn in the SEC title game, as things currently stand, they would be favored by S&P to win that game by 0.1 points. Uh, and only an Auburn game could actually feature a, a, a decimal, I'm pretty sure. Number four is Wisconsin, down from third. Um, still number one in defense, uh, but, you know, the offense just, you know, kind of took two quarters off and then did what it needed to do. And that's great. They basically stayed the same. That's fine. They're fourth. Uh, they're undefeated in fourth. There's no life is good. Number three, another undefeated team, UCF, um, 
I, I, I'm a broken record. I won't even talk about it that long. But if they are still more ten or more spots behind Wisconsin, uh, well, they will be because they uh, didn't play uh, Michigan uh, yesterday. So they are still going to be uh, well behind the pack. And it's a damn shame because they have been one of, if you don't believe they're the third best team in the country, they've absolutely been one of the five or 10 best teams in the country. And the fact that they're 15th really just suggests that the G five and the best FCS conferences should form their own subdivision because they're never going to get a fair shot. So the only way I think at this point to get a fair shot, uh, if you're a G five team is to, if you're a central Florida, which is going to be hard to do since you're about to lose Scott Frost. But uh, if you're if you go undefeated and then you beat your your P five opponent in the uh, FCS bowl or not FCS in the um, in the CFP G, with with the CFP G five uh, bid or slot or whatever. You beat your opponent there, you finish undefeated, and then you go undefeated again next year. Uh, let's see, who who do they play in non-conference next year that would give them a little boost? you got to follow the Houston path that we talked about so much last year. For UCF in 2018, their non-conference schedule is at North Carolina, FAU at home, and Pitt at home. Probably not enough to get it done, but maybe. That would be lovely if they were able to, to, to do that, but that's just such a hard path to take. UCF's been one of the five or ten best teams in the country this year. They're not even going to sniff a college football player off spot there's no even there's no point in even putting them in the conversation and that's extremely unfair they've been awesome number two alabama uh the top two remain the same alabama did well you know they played mercer and they uh, i think the the trick to having a semi-interesting alabama versus uh socon opponent a game is to have a situation where alabama's been too good when they've been absolutely ridiculously good uh, and Saban I swear he's done this before basically puts uh, together the worst possible game plan so that Chattanooga or whoever it is sticks around for a while uh, like well like last year I believe if I remember correctly and um, so that way he can complain to the to the media about how poor his team played and he can light them on fire before the Auburn game the next week that's what he wants this year Alabama isn't good enough to pull that off so instead they just massacred uh, poor Mercer uh, because they I don't know needed the work I guess but regardless uh easy win for Alabama they stay number two easy win for Ohio State who once again completely destroyed from an efficiency standpoint your success rate versus my success rate Ohio State obliterated Illinois I think it was the biggest success rate disparity of the week among FBS versus FBS games uh so of course they're going to stay number one after all that uh, the point range right now is what it's it's kind of it's what it's been all season, but more so. Uh, the you know the S and P is is delivered. S and P plus is delivered as a as an adjusted scoring margin, which means like your your rating is how many points above or below the the average FBS team you are. Ohio State is at plus twenty two point five, so they're a little more than three touchdowns better than average. That's like that the, last year at this point, I believe Alabama was in the thirties, uh, and and so we're still way off in that regard. But they're at plus twenty two point five. Alabama is at plus twenty two point two, and then number three, Central Florida is. Four is, is it's plus 17.8. They're uh, four and a half points behind number two, Alabama. Four and a half points. The, there's four and a half points separating number three, UCF, from number uh, basically number 12, TCU. The distance between number three and 11 uh, or 12 is the same as the difference between two and three. Oh, S&P is all in on Ohio State and Alabama this year. And uh, not even all, you know, not that those teams are, are amazing or all-time, all-timers, time, 
receivers that are just better than everybody else, and nobody else has still really stepped into that number three slot. Wisconsin has a chance to. Uh, they just won their hardest game of the year. Assuming they take care of Minnesota, they'll have their new hardest game of the year against uh, S&P number one Ohio State in a couple of weeks. So they'll have that chance. Uh, Georgia still has a chance. They they uh, you know kind of limped through the first quarter against Kentucky and then laid the hammer down just fine. Did I skip them? I think I skipped them. They're, they're number five, uh, seven, plus 17.0, just like Washington, number six. And a tenth of a point uh, ahead of I don't know I mentioned it because I it, you know I'm I'm stupid I mentioned the Georgia is ahead of Auburn now anyway um, you know we've got so many teams clustered together there and as long as a team like Wisconsin or even further down the list Miami who's only three points behind Wisconsin in the ratings uh, but stands at eleventh as long as you keep winning you have a chance to find your fifth gear and and win the whole damn thing because even the first two teams even though they're ahead of the pack. They're not so far ahead of the pack that they can't be caught, especially if you get a lucky bounce or two in the in the semis or the finals. So um, I, I cannot overstate how much fun the next two weeks are going to be. Uh, I cannot uh, re- remind you quickly enough that there will be a guest host on Tuesday. You don't have to listen to me talk for 30 straight minutes like you did today. I already feel bad about that. I just had a lot to say. And... Um, I, this is this this really could get really chaotic uh, this Friday and Saturday, uh, and then of course the next Saturday as well. Uh, if you can, and we'll talk about this a little on Tuesday. If you can, be prepared though to you know whip out the laptop, watch a little bit of the FCS playoffs. There are so many interesting storylines this year. Be it Kennesaw State uh, being in for the first time and running a really super fun option offense, uh, you, you will realize you start you recognize a lot more about these teams than you did before, and everything. I was saying about FCS earlier earlier it doesn't even include the Ivy League which was awesome this year had a lot of experimental offenses and I guess the fact that they don't play FBS teams kind of hurts my circle of life point the fact that they managed to figure out how to be pretty fun anyway but you know we'll ignore that Uh, who cares about contradictions anyway I appreciate you uh, surviving just listening to me this time you won't have to do it again Um, we'll see you midweek roll tide